0: I'm standing here on the shores of the sea of galilee and it's amazing we're with our biblical study tour from our church here as we're learning and growing in the word of god and, and i just think how beautiful this is and to think that this is where jesus spent so much of his time and so much of his ministry and you know as a church i just want to say welcome welcome to our campus in nashville welcome to campus in nolensville and in franklin and online if you're watching hey god is doing great things and i'm so excited to be on this journey with you as god is calling each of us to be a disciple as god is calling us to live for him in our day and our time and our generation just like he's been calling people throughout history to draw close to him and to be a part of his story and you know as a church we've been in some amazing series lately right we've just come off christmas and and we saw jesus birth and all of that was prophesied in the old testament over 300 prophecies in the old testament in books like isaiah you know these prophets that prophesied the coming of the messiah and all 300 plus prophecies are fulfilled in jesus christ and as God brought his son into this world to redeem us, to restore us, Yeshua, Jesus' name literally means salvation. And Jesus comes here, right? Born in this place. Bethlehem is right behind me down the road. And, and we see that Jesus was born there and grew up. He goes down to Egypt for a while. And then he comes back and he grows up in Nazareth. And Nazareth is right over these rocks, right over here on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We saw from age 12 to 30 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then Jesus launches into his teaching ministry, his earthly ministry. And at the age of 30, he was baptized right here. You know, the Sea of Galilee, it's really a lake, right? It's a freshwater lake. And it's really a wide spot in the Jordan River. And so that Jesus would come at the age of 30 and be baptized baptized by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> you are the Messiah, you know? I should be the one being baptized by you, but Jesus was setting an example and saying, no, I wanna be baptized at the beginning of my ministry at the age of 30 to set an example for those who will come, who will follow me. And maybe God's calling you to be baptized, you know? And maybe you've said, hey, I should have done that as a child or, or maybe I was sprinkled as a child or, or whatever, that's, that's great. But you think about it, that was your parents' decision, right? I mean, if you were an infant, if you were a child, but, but now God's calling you and inviting you to be a part of His story. And so Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry, not when He had it all figured out, was baptized. These waters right behind me. And as Jesus starts that ministry, and after His baptism, He was tempted went into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights. And every time the temptation came, Jesus answered with Scripture. And for us to know the Word of God, And then Jesus comes back here to the Sea of Galilee, and and He begins to call disciples. And you can just picture Peter and Andrew out fishing, or James and John, and Jesus coming along the shore and saying, Hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And these disciples started to follow Jesus. And these are ordinary guys, ordinary fishermen, business guys, you know. But they saw in Jesus this call, this call to follow, this call to trust. And Jesus brings them in, and over the next three years, disciples them, teaches them, prepares them, changes their lives, and prepares them to do something great for the glory of God, to lead His church. And you think about that, we are the disciples of Christ today. And what Jesus is teaching us. You know, as we launch into this series talking about Jesus' teaching ministry, uh, Jesus began very practical. You know, Jesus talked about, hey, I want you to be fulfilled in life i want you to be blessed and and you know for most people today people just want to be happy right you ask somebody you say hey what do you want in life i just want to be happy you ask parents you say hey what do you want for your kids and they say i just want them to be happy you know but but jesus wants so much more uh psychology today did an article a while back and they they surveyed fifty two thousand americans and they said what does it take for you to be happy what does it take for you to be happy and think about that question and the responses came back and many we would go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, people said, well, I just need more money. Uh, people said, I need more social life or more relationships. Uh, people said, I want to be in better shape, you know, and, and people talked about their health or people talked about their jobs. And, and as you think about all these things, they really are external. And so much of the time we think about happiness coming from the external. We, we try to say, hey, when and then, right? When I get this new job, then I'll be happier. Or when I get married or remarried, then I'll be happy. Uh, When my kids get accepted into this school, I'll be happy. But all those external things that don't really matter because there's always something else. Uh, Solomon is a guy who lived a long time ago, but he was the wisest man, the wealthiest man that ever lived. And, And he said, I pursued everything. I had all the money, so I pursued it all. I pursued the wealth. I pursued the passions. I pursued everything this world has to offer. And he comes to this conclusion in Ecclesiastes, and he says, it's all meaningless. It's just meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. And when Jesus will come along and say, hey, it's not about the external, it's about the internal. <laughs> it's not about the external, it's about the internal. And I want more for you. We still fall into that thinking, though. We go, hey, well, If I could just win the lottery, you know, if I could just get this much in my 401k, if I could just, and yet Jesus comes and he takes these disciples and he says, there's so much more. I want you to learn, I want you to experience. I want you to become all that I created you to be. And as Jesus gently walks with them, as Jesus pours into them, as Jesus teaches them, their lives are forever changed. And it's the same with you and with me. So this morning we're gonna kind of dive into Jesus' first teaching. We're gonna see it unfold. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Matthew chapter five, first book, New Testament, and let's see Jesus start to work in our hearts and our lives. Let's see Jesus' teaching come alive in us and let's be the disciples that he's called us to be. Let's go up on the mountain. Come with me as we sit down and we see Jesus' words come to life. So if you have your Bible, look there in Matthew chapter 5. And and it says, now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. (laughs) And so here we are on the mountainside, Sea of Galilee, right there in the back. And we don't know if this was the exact place, but we know it was right around here that Jesus actually came up and taught the crowds. I mean, the crowds are all around him. And so Jesus brings them up and you can kind of picture the scene, right? It's like an amphitheater almost. There'd be people all around, sitting on rocks, sitting on the hillside, being able to listen to Jesus. And he said it sat down. Um, the rabbis, when they would teach, they would, they would sit on the ground. It wasn't just to, to stand up. They would sit down and begin to pour out uh, whatever their teaching was. And his disciples came to him. And notice this. He began to teach them. Right? The crowds were around, which was, was fantastic. But, but Jesus was pouring into the disciples. Jesus was saying, hey, I want to tell you about the kingdom of God. I want to tell you that it's different than the world. I want to tell you that it's set apart than the things maybe you've been taught or grown up with in religion or grown up on a secular side and the way the world operates. And so Jesus kind of gives them this outline to say, hey, this is the way the kingdom of God is. And he pours into them and he starts off with what maybe you've heard before, maybe not, but it's called the Beatitudes, right? And he says, blessed, And that word blessed, you know, it doesn't mean happy. You know, maybe your translation says happy. That that's fine. But but the word really in the Greek, it's a bigger word than happy. It really means joy. It really means fulfillment. It really means sustenance inside that just comes out of you. It's this depth, it's this richness that no matter the circumstances, right? Happiness is built on circumstances. When I have this, I'm happy, you know, but when I don't, I'm not. But there's a deep abiding joy that comes in and and Jesus goes, you want that? Let me tell you, it's this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. (laughs) Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was saying, This is what I'm coming to teach. This is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And it was so different, just like it's different in our world today. Now, if you go back and you break these down and you start to look, They really are beatitudes. They're the way that you and I are called to live as disciples. This is what Jesus was teaching to us. So he says, right, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? That kind of sounds like a little odd, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. But, But here's what it means. It means this. It means I don't have all the answers. It means I recognize my need for God. A lot of people don't recognize that need. A lot of people think, well, I just got money and money's my God. So I'm just gonna kind of live my own life and and I'm satisfied or or you know, my job is my God and I'm gonna live for that. Or I'm gonna live for myself. But poor in spirit recognizes, hey, I need help. I need hope. I need God. Uh, you know, sometimes when you get sick, you go to the doctor, right? And they give you these forms to fill out and you're looking down the forms and you're thinking, hey, I'm not that bad. I don't have this disease. I don't have this disease. I don't have this disease. And you're kind of going through. You're like, hey, I'm pretty good. You know, look at this. I don't have all this, this, this. You've got pages. But you're marking one or two. I mean, you're at the doctor for a reason, right? Why? Because you're sick. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all poor in spirit. And we recognize, hey, I need God. Some people go through their life and they think, well, I don't need God, right? I've got money or I've got this and I really don't need God and they push God away even though God is drawing them close and drawing, God is drawing you close. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a reward as you know God. You grow deeper in him. You know, blessed are those who are mourn. Those who mourn. And what do we mourn over? Well, we mourn over our sin. When we recognize, wait a minute, I am sinful. Wait, wait a minute, I'm rebelling against God. My sinfulness is pushed got away because I am sinful and I I mourn over that. A lot of people get comfortable in their sin. They just kind of keep doing the same sin over and over and over, right? And there is no mourning. There is no regret. There is no feeling of, oh, this is wrong. And maybe in your life there's a sin that you're tolerating. Maybe in your life there's something that you just go, hey, I'm just going to keep doing this. It really doesn't matter. No, all sin matters to God. Why? Because God is holy. Holy means to be set apart. And in him there is no sin. And so blessed are those who recognize their sin. We recognize God, we're poor in spirit, but we recognize our sin. We recognize our sin and we will be comforted. And God comes near to us when we're broken over the sinner in life. And blessed are the meek. What does that word meek really mean? You know what it means is this, it's really strength under control. And when you think about meekness, you think about a wild stallion. You think about the stallion that's out in the wild and it's just this raw strength and this raw energy, but it's just unbridled. It, it's, it's just you know out there living on its own and not really making a difference. But meekness is surrendering that strength, coming under that control. And when a horse comes in and is broken and ridden by somebody who's an expert, Man, that horse all of a sudden has purpose. That horse can make a difference. That horse can jump over. I mean, it can make a huge impact. You can do so many things, but you're bringing that strength under control. And Jesus goes, when you bring your life under the control of God, when you recognize that and you bring everything to Him, they will inherit the earth, all right? They'll inherit the earth. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a desire to know God. There's a desire to to hunger for Him and a thirst for Him. You know, when you're, hungry man you got to eat right you're, you're going to get hangry you know you're, maybe you're like that i'm kind of like that my my wife and my girls are like dad you need to eat something right you're getting hangry and but what if we had that for god oh i just have a hunger for god i want to know his word I, I have a thirst for him i i need him he is that living water he's the one who satisfies and in your life do you have that same hunger or thirst do you have that same passion that drive to to know god to fully engaged and it says for they will be filled they'll be filled they'll be satisfied and then he says you know blessed are the merciful the merciful and you kind of think you know, am i merciful and we live in a world where we tend to judge everybody right everybody's sin it makes the front page immediately in our minds we we kind of judge people uh we compare ourselves with others uh sometimes in our society people feel better when you put somebody else down because then you kind of feel like you're elevating yourself and and Jesus is going that's not really the kingdom that's not the kingdom I'm talking about that's the kingdom of the world that's the way the world acts but are you merciful in the kingdom of God do you look at people and and realize their need do you look at people and want to love them and want the best for them you know in in your life do you do look around and even at people at work if they get a promotion you, you get excited for them instead of saying well that should have been me or when something happens and And you read about it online and you go, oh man, I feel bad for them. Instead of, you know, man, wow, good, that happened to them. In our lives, Jesus is changing us. He's calling us to be disciples. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I mean, don't we want God to show us mercy? Don't we want to receive that from the Lord? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, here Jesus, he starts to take from the outside and how we act and respond to the inside. Hey, it's your heart. Uh, Back in the Old Testament, you may remember David, and we did a series on David. And it says, God comes along and he anoints David and he says, hey, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And blessed are the pure in heart, those who have the right motives. Those who have the right desire. When I do something, am I doing it with the right motives? Am I doing it so that God is glorified? Am I doing it because I really care about the other person? Blessed is a pure in heart. And that's a work in progress for all of us, right? But am I growing in that area? Am I becoming in that area? Blessed are pure in heart, for They'll see God. God is pure, holy. Hey, Blessed are the peacemakers. And I love that those who want to make peace with those around them, those who look to build relationships around them. You know, peace isn't avoidance, right? Sometimes that's what people think about peace. But, but Jesus wasn't like that, you know? Jesus stepped into some hard situations. Jesus stepped in and brought truth. But Jesus was there as the Prince of Peace, to bring peace between God and man, to be a peacemaker. And we as disciples, that's our call is to bring peace, to point people to God, to point people to a relationship with the one who can bring peace in their hearts and their lives. Blessed is the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And then finally he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You know, we don't face a lot of persecution in our lives today. Uh, We have brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world who do face persecution. There's believers in China this morning who are worshiping in underground churches um, because they, if they are found out, they'll go to prison. Um, there's believers, whether it's in Egypt or in different parts of the world, where there is a lot of persecution that still goes on today, but, but their faith is strong, and they hold on to God. And, and I just wonder, you know, in our country, there may be a day of persecution coming. Now, there's little persecutions that we face when people say at school, you know, oh, you're a Christ follower at work, you know, and it, it, you kind of feel a little bit of that tension, and, and not all that's bad. Right, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because you're living differently. People are seeing something in you. You Yeah, people want that and people go, what's different about them? So there should be a little bit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the same way, there's people who live before us who had to take a stand. There's people who live before us who stood up for Christ and who shared Christ with others, who are willing to share Christ with their family or their roommates, or or willing to share Christ with people across the street who are living for the glory of God, who are different in this world. And Jesus comes along to his disciples and says, your call is to be different. And I want you to have a joy that's inside. I don't want you to live for the things of this world and just pursue money and success and power and think all that's gonna satisfy. Listen, it's me and having a relationship with me. Now, if you notice this progression here, right? The poor in spirit, for all of us, there comes a time when we recognize you are God and I'm not, and I need you in my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And if you've never come to that point, I just want to encourage you today. In your heart, your life, right where you sit, God, forgive my sins. Redeem me, restore me. And blessed are those who mourn, who realize my brokenness, my hurt, my pain over the sin in my life. That we don't just continue in that same cycle, that there comes a time that we stand up and we say no to sin and ungodliness. And we live our lives for Him. Hey, blessed are the meek that we're bringing our lives under the control of God. And we're saying, God, you have control of my life. God, you lead me, you guide me. All the gifts and the talents, the abilities that you've given me. I don't want to just use it to further my own kingdom. God, I want to use it to build yours. And there's a joy that comes in that. There's a hope that comes in that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. See the progression? You know, as I bring my life for the control of God, I want more. I want more of him. And as I grow deeper in the word, I'm growing stronger in my faith. And then I show mercy. I extend mercy to those around me just as like I've received mercy. And because I've been given mercy, I want to be a person who offers mercy to others. I I do it with a pure heart, you know? And and, man, all of us, like I said, we're a work in progress, but that our heart is pure, that we want to live our lives for God, for an audience of one, not just for ourselves or for other people to see, but for the Lord. And then I want to bring peace in all my relationships. It says in Romans, you know, live at peace with everyone whenever it is possible with you. And sometimes it's hard or it's difficult, but when it's possible with you to live at peace, to be a person who brings peace into your marriage, brings peace into your family, brings peace into your workplace, who walks in differently, you know, not just saying, hey, I've got to be seen, I've got to be noticed, I've got to be rewarded. No, I'm here for a different reason, for a different purpose. I am a disciple of Christ, and then, hey, just know you might be persecuted. I mean, the way Jesus is calling you to live, he says to his disciples, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different from the religious of the day. It's gonna be different from the secular of the day. It's gonna be different. And there's gonna be people that are gonna wonder why. In our lives, we have to understand that there will be pushback that we'll face. You know, and think about all these people, all the crowd that's up here on this mountain. But as Jesus calls his disciples to follow, Not all of them will, not all of them will. And we have to know that today, not everybody who hears about Jesus is gonna follow, but his disciples will. And they're in for the journey of a lifetime. What they find is fulfillment in Christ. What they find is a joy that springs eternal. What they find is Christ and Christ alone. And their life makes sense. Their life has purpose, their life has meaning. And Jesus, up here on this mountainside, says, hey, come on, this is the kingdom of heaven. And I've got a plan and a purpose for you. Follow me, follow me. At this point in Jesus' teaching, I think he just looks right at the disciples, right? You have the whole crowd, but now he hones down on the disciples. And in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Right? He's like, guys, get ready for this. You know, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. But, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He's like, you know, you, you need salt in the world. And right, salt's used for two things. It's used to preserve things, right? And to keep them fresh. And so he's like, you are getting ready to go out and I'm gonna use you to, to preserve the kingdom of God, to, to keep it real, to keep it fresh. But salt is also used for flavor. And I love that thought, you know? I mean, whenever you have something and you you put some salt on it, it brings out the flavor. And he's like, you're gonna go out as my disciples and to bring flavor into this world, to bring joy into this world. You know, I think a boring Christian's an oxymoron. (laughs) I really do. I think we ought to be the most joyful people around because of what God's done for us, because of the grace we've received through Jesus Christ, his son. And so he's like, you guys are the salt and I'm sending you out, right? And then he says, you are the light of the world. A a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He's like, you're gonna be the light. And I'm going to fill you and I want you to be put on a hill. Uh, I've been in a Bible study with a bunch of men and, and uh, one of the guys was talking about it. He goes, you know, I think God's telling me not to hide. He said, you know, I, I kind of feel like my life, I, I've always hidden as a believer, as a follower of Christ. And, and I've kind of hidden when people ask me at work or, you know, kind of hidden around my family. I just haven't made that a priority. And he's like, God's just saying, don't hide. And, and I think that's for all of us, right? We are called to be the light. And a light, you don't put it under a bowl, you don't hide it, right? You accent it, you put it somewhere so that all the light can fill the house, all the light can fill the community, all the light can fill the city. He's like, you are the light. And then he closes the section, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Because he you guys go out and live differently. Right here are the be attitudes, not just, you know, this is how you're called to be. This should be a different attitude. And it's not just for you, right? So that people see your good deeds, and they don't go, oh, wow, you, you are awesome. Wow, you are so religious. No, that they see your good deeds and they glorify your father in heaven. That you point with your life up to God and you say, God, I want to be a living testimony to you. See, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's preparing them. And I love how he goes on and he he teaches with his words, but also in his actions. You know, standing right here on the Sea of Galilee and you start to think that this is the place right here on on this sea, on this lake, where in just a few chapters, uh, Jesus' disciples will be in the boat and, and they're going across and a big squall will come up. And you can see over those mountains how a storm could come in quickly on this lake. And these guys who are experienced fishermen, they're they're all scared, but it says that Jesus is sleeping. (laughs) He's sleeping. He's not worried. He's not scared. And he looks at the guys. They wake him up because they're terrified. And they're like, Jesus, we're all going to drown. We're all going to die. And he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Don't be afraid. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And he calms the storm. And in your life and in my life, God's always teaching. Jesus is always teaching us. He's like, don't be afraid. And maybe in your life right now, there's something that, that you're afraid of. And maybe there's some place that he's saying, oh, you have little faith. You remember what I've taught you. You remember how I'm calling you to live. You remember what I'm doing in your life. Uh, later on in another instance, they'll be going back out. And this time Jesus will be on the shore and and they're in trouble. There's another storm. And this time Jesus comes walking to them. And Peter right, says, hey, let me come to you. And he starts to walk on these very waters. Peter walking on these very waters to Jesus. And then it says he takes his eyes off Jesus and he puts it on the the storm and on the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. But immediately he cries out and Jesus reaches down and grabs his hand and pulls him up and gets him into the boat. All of this teaching, all of this experience, Jesus is preparing his disciples because they're going to be the ones when he ascends into heaven after his death, his burial, his resurrection, he'll ascend into heaven and he sends them out to be the church, the body of Christ. He's always working in our lives. He's teaching us, he's growing us, he's preparing us. You know, right over the hill, right behind us is Nazareth. And and that's where Jesus grew up. And and a lot of times we think about Jesus being a carpenter. uh, And we think a carpenter working with wood. But if you look around, there's not a ton of wood, but there's a lot of stones. Uh, That word can also be translated stonemason. But even more, that can be translated craftsman or architect. And Jesus probably worked around here. There were some cities that were growing. You know, Herod's sons were building cities around here. The Romans were at work. But I think about Jesus not only being a stonemason, but Jesus being that architect and working in our lives and building us and growing us into the disciples that he called and created us to be. God's at work in your life. God's at work in you and wanting you to be a man or a woman after the heart of God, wanting you to experience joy not just running after happiness in this world, not just trying to meet every circumstance, but wanting to experience the fullness of life and the joy of knowing Christ and the joy of following Him, that deep internal joy. And when we get in trouble, we call out and He's always there. He's grabbing our hand. He's pulling us back in. He's drawing us close. And He's saying, I love you. And He continues to teach. He continues to call. He continues to draw. And that's the journey we're on together. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this, God brought you here. And God wants to meet you in this time and in this moment. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life. You were created for a reason. There's still breath in your lungs for a reason. God's not finished with any of us. God's not finished with you. And he is teaching you and preparing you for great things. Will you listen to him? Will you follow him? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for sending your son who died on a cross, Father, so that we could have eternal life with you. But thank you also that he wanted to teach us and prepare us and mold us and shape us to be all that you created us to be, to reach our full potential in you. And so let us be disciples today. Just as you called Peter and Andrew, James and John, all the disciples, Father, ordinary men that you used in an extraordinary way. And Father, that's what we want to be in our lives. Men and women who hear the teachings of Christ and who follow. People filled with joy and with purpose. And so anoint us today, Father, and use us today. We love you and we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.